Hello, Steve Seifert. Is this Dan Landrum, the famous circus musician? I am a, a rodeo clown. We, I'm sideshow Dan, just like your sideshow Steve, that's for sure. That's so exciting. I went to but, a sideshow once. At a circus? No, at a dulcimer festival, Sideshow Benny. Uh, what? You know about Sideshow Benny, right? No. Sideshow Benny, um, he was, I guess in the 80s, he was real active in, in the mountain dulcimer scene. He would always be at Cosby. And then at some point he got interested in the history of sideshows and, and uh, he started to go around and meet and interview these these old sideshow acts. A lot of them were old and dying, you know. So anyway, I take my mom to this thing at the Dulcimer Festival. It was down at the old, um, it was the one just north of Lake Pontchartrain, Covington, Louisiana. Right. And uh, so I take my mom to the sideshow, and it was it was quite a thing to take your mom to. But there <laughs> was, was it vaudeville vaudeville esque? I don't know what you call it. Uh, but I know that he was eating live crickets, and I'll just stop there. But, it, you know. Uh, so he's now... I thought you were going to tell a story about the guy that I haven't been able to find information about, but I've heard stories who was a mountain dulcimer player who had a a mountain dulcimer that when he would play it, it would slowly fall apart. Oh, no, that was good. That was That was back at Boone, I think, maybe. Yeah, I heard he was from Florida, but no one's no one seems to know anything about him when I ask questions. Yeah, he just started playing it, and he had rigged the thing over the period of like two or three minutes to eventually completely self-destruct. And it happened gradually. It was great. And yeah, and I heard it was really funny. It sounds like the kind of thing Bill Taylor would do. Really? Did I say Bill Taylor? You meant Jim Miller. I meant Jim Miller. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we have a lot of Taylors and Millers in this line of business. Jim Miller would make a dulcimer that slowly, over the period of three minutes, assembled itself from various corners of the room. That that's that, that would be a Jim Miller. That's right. And then and then play Foggy Mountain Breakdown. What in the while world? He sits in a rocking chair. What in the world would we do without all of his inventions? The the one of the cool ones is it's like a big board with a clown face on it and a nose in the middle that lights up and there's I forget how it all worked, actually, but it's like chord symbols with light bulbs. So when you're in the That's jam, right. you just look at the clown. You know, you know, uh, you know what chord you're on. I think his chord hat was even better than that. Did you see that one? Yeah, with the turkey basters and all that. Yeah, that one's actually used. People use that. The others he kind of does for fun. At the at this past Kentucky Music Week, he was in a rocking chair, and when you rocked back and forth, it had a thing that would fret and strum. But the chord hat steps on those turkey basters and it tells you if you're playing a D chord. That really helps people in a jam. I think. Yeah, there's another one they were working on where if you're, you know, let's say you're playing with 50 people and you want them to know whether it's a D, G, or an A chord. I forget how this works, but I think sitting straight up is a D chord. Lean to the left for a G chord. Lean to the right for an A chord. And I did that for about 20 minutes, and I started to experience vertigo. But everybody really appreciated <laughs> the information, I think. Yeah, I would be confused by the left and right, I think. But that's neat. I'm really excited right now. How excited and, could you be, actually, right now? 
excited may be the wrong word, but I'm uh, I just had an experience that was that was satisfying and reminds me why I do what I do. Yeah. Care to hear it? <laughs> you do tell. I had a new student who came today. And uh, just an 11-year-old uh, little girl named Eden, who she's had a few hammer dulcimer lessons, to be honest with you. I'm not sure who her other teachers have been. And her mom drove quite a distance to get here. But she's... It's going to be good. I almost said talented, and you know how I feel about that word. I know you and I both read this book by, I think his name was Jeff Colvin. Do you recall, Steve, called Talent is Overrated? That's the right title. I don't know if it's the right name. And he doesn't say that there is no such thing as talent. Right. He's just saying that it's overrated when we talk about why people are good at what they do. Uh, Well, this kid... It was exciting to see her because I could tell in 10 minutes that the lesson was going to go well, and she has a bright future. She'll be good at this if she stays Mm -hmm. interested in it. A lot of pressure on a teacher at that point, by the way. But rather than me just kind of give a monologue about what I liked about the student, I want to ask you, when do you know with a student that you have no preconceived ideas about, you've never had the, had them before, that you realize you've got something on your hands here that has potential. What are the signs? I think I know by about the fourth or fifth lesson. Is That's when it really strikes me. Uh, I mean, of course, in the first or second lesson, you can be impressed. But by if they show up for their fourth or fifth lesson, you can tell... I mean, I guess the first thing I look for is, is this person kind of obsessed with this a little bit? And, um, and I also notice if whatever we agreed they would work on, you know, if they actually do that, that's pretty impressive. So do you think I'm being prematurely excited for the talent, I mean, Cordy Marks in the air that I saw in this child today? No, it's exciting. I mean, on the first lesson, I did a lesson with a doctor once. I may have talked about this before, but he, it was at a cancer camp for kids. I taught him whiskey before breakfast across all three strings. Um, Just a flat-picked version. He'd never played dulcimer. And then a year later, he came back to that same week-long camp, and he said, hey, can I get another dulcimer lesson? And the guy said, wait, let me play through what we did last time. And he played the darn tune, man, to the end. So, that, you know, that could be a discouraging story. But for me, I thought, well, wait a minute, you know, I can't do that, <laughs> what that guy did. You mean, um, you mean memorize it and just keep it like that? Yeah, we did a by-ear lesson over a period of an hour, and then a year later, he didn't even have a dulcimer at home. He played it for me again from memory. Oh, wow. So, but I got to be careful, because when I run into that, man, it's, it, really, it really does have more about what, you know, if, if a student is really into the dulcimer or really into music in general, and they're really passionate about it, and they really work on it, you know, getting a little taste of somebody's natural born talent or their developed abilities is exciting. But what's more exciting is when somebody just says, I love this thing and I've been working on it and I've been having a blast, 
You know, it's it's funny because I really in that that first couple of lessons, even when I get excited about somebody who's got some natural ability, I am careful to not get too excited about that because there's no we don't know that they're gonna. There's nothing that says they need to stick with dulcimer. No, uh, you know, but I just think yeah, I just look. I enjoy it, you know. It's, but I'm. I really do enjoy the student who seems to have not developed any sense of rhythm in their earlier years, and here we are working on it, and they're putting the time on it, really putting the time on it, and it's that's exciting, you know. So you're thinking about the older student more so, and I think maybe my expectations. Yeah, as I ask you this question, I said if you have no preconceived ideas. I think I almost always have preconceived ideas when I'm dealing with older students. That's kind of not fair. Uh, but with a, with a young student, I'd be really surprised if a, if a young student w- had already been messed up as far as rhythm is concerned, you know, had already gotten to the place. And by messed up, I mean, in, I don't mean someone hurt them in a way, but they've already decided that they can't do this or they don't have rhythm. or Right. A younger student hasn't made a bunch of conclusions yet. Right. They might have just as bad a rhythm as that older guy, but they don't have any of that baggage going on, and they're like, you know, I say do this, and we work on it. And sometimes with an older student, I have to, I have to fight these notions they've developed about themselves some things might be true some might not be with a kid i i spend about 10 minutes showing them how to do an improvised accurate interesting strum and then i usually i try to get them to just make up stuff for 10 minutes and have fun and it is a it always does seem with a younger kid that it's a little less pressure on them you know right with this student go ahead I don't think, no, nah, I think it's great to be excited about youthful energy, excitement, um, some developed ability, some natural ability. That's fun. So watching this girl, she, <laughs> I'm more hyperactive than this child was. It's clear. <laughs> You're more hyperactive than all children combined. Maybe. And uh, I like seeing what I maybe wish I had as a child yeah. <clears throat> in a child. I think, wow, if I'd had that composure, what, what would I have done with my life? You know, cause I've, I've never really had that, but this, this kid had practiced and she had a, you know, she played, uh, over the waterfall and really interesting. I think the first thing that impressed me was she played a alternating pattern, not an arrangement, of the melody line of a Shokin Farewell. And my first clue that this was going to go well was when she played it about this speed. Da, 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 da. And she rested. Da, da, da. Left all that space in there. That was exciting because she had a sense of space and, you know, and, and the beauty of the melody, uh, which was very cool. And then she played a couple of fiddle tunes, you know, that she had learned from other teachers. And then I began to teach her. It was basically what you said, to try to get her to make things up, but using 
something she knew. And so I had her, I didn't play anything for her for a long time. I just had her play, tell me things she knew and maybe things she'd tried to figure out on her own. And a question I'll ask a, a young student is, you know, if you do you, first, do you keep your instrument out where you can just sit down if you want to and play? And she said, yes. And by the way, she did not have a, she, her mother was there, but she was not a helicopter mom. She was just kind of stayed out of the lesson, which was, it's just great moms. If you're listening, she said, uh, the kid said, yeah, yeah, it's always out. And I said, well, if you were just going to run by and play it, what would you practice? And she said, well, mostly songs and maybe try to figure out a song. Then I was excited again. So she's trying to figure out something that someone hasn't told her. That means there's a sense of excitement. And so I said, think of one that you've done that. And she started playing When the Saints Go Marching In, which I think songs like that are perfect teaching songs because they're simple and you want to embellish them. And she described to me what she wished she could do, and she didn't know the word embellished, but it was pretty easy to figure out that's what it was. And my... uh, What I told her was, uh, am I rambling too much? Because I think this was good. So I told her to think about, uh, I want to teach her some tools that she can use so that she can make something out of a song like that that she's taken the time to figure out. And I kept telling her how good she was because she was. But uh, the analogy that I could come up with on the spot was that I said, do you draw? Do you color? Do you paint? Do you anything like that? And she's like, yeah, I like to, she likes to use markers. And I said, do you, uh, let's say you're going to use markers and draw a, a picture of a scene at the beach <clears throat> and there's, there's an ocean there and there's fish jumping out of the water and there's maybe some sailboats on the water and sun and maybe there's clouds in the sky and you've got all these markers, would you use just one color? And she's like, no, you know, she'd use lots of colors. And I said, why? And she says, because it makes for a better picture like that. And I told her, that's kind of what we're going to do is start learning some tools that I look at as colors that are things that you as a hammered dulcimer player can use. And the same thing on a mountain dulcimer. So that these are things that you know, and you can pull them out all the time. But keep in mind that sometimes people, when they're playing music, they're like, well, I did this on that song. I don't want to do that on this song. And that you would never, when you were drawing a picture, go, well, I've used blue before. (laughs) I don't want to use blue again or red again. Uh, You can use those colors in different ways to create really cool pictures. And it was neat because she got it. Uh, Anyway, that was exciting. Yeah, I think what I like to do is... I want to get them, if they're coming to me, I feel like my first job is to show them something that they're going to be able to do that's going to surprise them. It's something they didn't know they could do, and I want to link it to whatever they said they were there for, you know? Right. Like I And I really believe one of the biggest things you do for somebody... It's kind of like we're teaching them to be creative more than we're teaching them to be a musician or a hammer dulcimer player or whatever. Um, and I, I also think it's important to teach a, a, a student how they can teach themselves. You know, that's one of the most exciting kind of students. It's the one that is excited about hunting out these ideas, figuring things out. Because, solving, solving problems. Yeah, because 
I don't want to shape somebody into something. I want to help right. them teach themselves how to play. And I can, I can help them do that when they get stuck. I can learn from them when they're, they're, you know, they're different than me. They're going at it different. I can throw in some new ideas. And right. They are their best teacher, though, in most cases, if they have that confidence that they can do it. Right. And I, if you look at me, you know, my dad died a year and a half ago, and I've never been one to fix things like a dryer or a sink or a light fixture. So I started, I thought, well, I, I think I want to be the kind of guy that fixes things. And so over the last year and a half, I've been looking and I've been getting on YouTube and calling people and you helped me. We set up a webcam. You helped me uh, take my sink pipes apart and all that stuff. But what's interesting is I realized I'm more interested in, in being the kind of guy that fixes things than I am in actually doing the work to get better at it. Like I don't, I, and I've had, I, I haven't drawn final conclusions on this yet, but I really don't want to know how to go out and fix that light fixture. I already thought I fixed it. It's not working again. I've got this fantasy in my mind that I could become more capable in this realm, but really I'm finding out I'm more attached to the idea of being that guy than I am in actually doing the work, figuring out the puzzles. Some of the most exciting students are the ones who you can't even stop them from getting better. Well, that's you, Steve. You're talking, I don't mean this in a negative way, but you're talking about yourself there. Then knowing you for quite a few years now, you're always excited about learning something new to the point, me too, to the point of distraction or coming up with a different way of doing something. But the things that have stuck with you You've kind of you've mastered. I mean, not that you're done, but the uh, you were obsessed with mountain dulcimer. Yeah, I'm obsessed with hammer dulcimer. I played for an hour this afternoon before my student got here just to get myself in the right headspace of loving it. Because sometimes you stop loving it when it seems like you've had too much of it. It's true, right? For you? Huh. Maybe not. Maybe it is true for me. Like, generally, after a week of teaching at a festival, I don't come home and get an instrument out for fun. And I was thinking this afternoon, you've got a brand new student coming in. You need to be in love with this yeah, so agree. that you can pass that on. So I got it out and specifically played with the purpose of going, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, and I think it's – I've never gotten burnt out on dulcimer. I'm thankful for that. It might happen. I'm okay with that. I'll, I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, but I do get, I guess like any relationship, you can kind of, you can stop being courteous. You can <laughs> Take stop it for, for granted. courting the other person, you know. Um, and Yeah. I, I was listening to a comedian in an interview recently, and she said before she does one of her hour specials, like for HBO or something, she doesn't talk to anybody all day. She actually drops off her dogs at a dog hotel two days before. The whole day leading up to that night, she doesn't talk to anybody. You know, you've I and I was thinking of Maddie McNeil. I, I saw her to, uh, right before a concert once, and she had this kind of quiet, energetic build-up time that reminded me of an actress uh, to, before she went on stage. I think that's real interesting. 
I'm, I haven't been out of love with the dulcimer, but yes, I sometimes have to renew, you know, my heart on something. Yeah. Hmm. And it, <clears throat> the fact that it works shows that it is, you know, a first love. It is one of the things that's renewable because not everything's renewable. I mean, there are things I've been interested in in the past and even things I've tried to do with my instrument that I think this is a great idea and I try it and it's, eh, it kind of doesn't work and I'll forget it. And then I'll get excited and try it again and give it three or four times. <laughs> and then sometimes I go, just, I don't really want to wear a bunch of percussion instruments at the same time I play, even though at one time I thought I did, you know, and I don't really want to have a bunch of MIDI pedals that I have to be in charge of and have them all and drum pads all around the instrument and be able to play a drum solo with my hammer dulcimer sticks. Though one time I thought I did. You'd like to be that guy. I, well, I still like playing with percussion, but that really wasn't the way I wanted to. I mean, well, it was, I thought it was the way I wanted to do it, but when I tried it in practice, it's like, wow, I don't, I don't want to do this bad enough to carry all this stuff all the time and have be nervous about whether or not it's going to work right. You know, I learned that by trying it. So I gave that up, but I didn't quit playing my hammer dulcimer. And <clears throat> I have two recording projects that I'm committed to right now that I'm as excited about as I was the first one. And uh, is it okay? We never self-promote. Can we do that on this podcast? Never self-promote? On this podcast, we haven't ever really talked about what we have going on <clears throat> or ways that people could help us keep doing this for a living. Is it okay to do that a little, you think? I have no idea. Well, all right. I'm going to. Uh, recordings that I'm really excited about, Stephen Humphreys and I are working on one. That's, uh, it's been nine years since we put out the Landerman Humphreys. Now, that's a killer <clears throat> CD. That's really good. Thank you. And we both like it, and we want to do something else. The difference on this one is we both do percussion. This one's going to have drums on it. And I told Steve, the only other person that I would rather have on this than him is Steve Gadd. But <laughs> I don't, I don't know Steve Gad. <laughs> uh, so Steve Gad, the drummer for every good recording you've ever heard. Okay, <laughs> he's he's on everybody's stuff. Uh, let me think. Uh, I, I you know that snare thing at the beginning of Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover. Yeah, Steve Gad. Okay, the on when you're listening to Steely Dan's Asia that drummer on Asia that has that incredible groove and solo in the middle. It's Steve Gadd. He's That's just nice. everywhere. People hire him all the time, and he's, he's still amazing. But anyway, Stephen Humphreys is amazing, too. And so we're going to use percussion kind of like that Ooh. and build some stuff around it where he's actually using trap set and some things. Because the so, last one was just two hammer dulcimers, right, the whole time? That's right. This one will not be that way. It'll be Sometimes it might be. We don't have any rules that says it can't, but <clears throat> we're going to... This is going to have a lot of percussion on it. I'm excited about it. And then Aaron O'Rourke and I have been working on a project for a while where we've written some stuff together that's just hammer dulcimer and mountain dulcimer and probably nothing else. And uh, I think that'll be good. Completely different kind of project. So anyway, there's that. And both you and I, I'm promoting for both of us now, do private lessons, but we also do Skype lessons. So that's contact us. Well, yeah, I'm just saying... I'm saying to people listening, if you're interested in lessons, we can do Skype lessons. It's easy. It's so, actually not 
It actually works pretty well. And I just saw something. Microsoft. Listen, I switched. I was an Apple guy when I was a kid. And then I switched to Windows. And then you kind of got me back on the Apple wagon. But I just saw something that Microsoft is doing that made me want a Windows computer. Can you believe that? And it was, <laughs> it's, um, and I was thinking about these virtual lessons we do. Um, I, what is it? Don't just say uh, something. It's, you know, it sounds, now that I think about it, it sounds silly, but it's these virtual, it's like virtual reality where you wear these goggles. I forget what they call it. <laughs> That's right. Okay. But here's yeah. the cool thing. You're looking, you're sitting in your office or your living room and you're looking at the room through these things and you see your room as is. Well, this software has the ability to map physical objects and surfaces in your room. So for instance, you can say, I want to put a big piece of tablature on this wall right in front of me and you can spread it out and make it bigger. And then you can say on this table here, I want to put another piece of tablature or I haven't figured out why I'm excited about it yet, but I've done so many Skype lessons that I've realized, man, it, I know a lot of people say you can't learn music over a computer. You really can. I mean, I, you really can. And I'm excited about the technology, not for gaming, but how can we all interact i i read somewhere that in order for musicians to jam uh in two different locations using the internet you ideally need to get the the delay down to 40 milliseconds so that means i hit a note you hear the note and it, it was only a 40 millisecond that's very short delay if there's much more than that it doesn't work but i'm excited about Google's putting fiber internet all over the country. You've already got it in Chattanooga. Um, some of this stuff, I guess if you think about Grandpa sitting on an old wooden porch with no uh, electricity and he's got his dulcimer in his lap, maybe you're not excited about virtual technology. But I've really enjoyed teaching folks long distance. I've done it in Australia, Spain, England, uh, you know, Alaska, all over the country, um, Japan. It's pretty neat. If somebody's listening is interested in doing lessons with you, if they have a smartphone, they may have all they need. Right. I mean, there's there's a there's a bunch of different ways to go about it, but you know, the one thing we can't do right now is actually play together as if we were sitting in front of each other. But what I often do is I want to I want them to think we're doing that. So what I'll do is I'll turn off my, my, my speakers or I'll just kind of ignore them and I'll start playing. They hear me coming through their speakers. They see me. They start playing along with me. As far as they're concerned, we're playing together. But I'm always hearing them late, so it's kind of a mess. But a lot of the time, I'll just... Not, not for them, though. They don't have to hear... They hear me, and they hear them, and they feel like we're jamming together. That's right. I'm just trying to clarify for anybody, because it almost anything that you deal with when you're talking about time and delay, is, it's a bit confusing. But be, when we start this show, we count down together, 
And for instance, if we do it right now, let's just count from five down. Really? Five, four, four three, three, two, two one. one. <laughs> Every time I heard Steve say a number, he was about a half second behind me. But to me, it sounded like we were totally together. Right, because he's talking with me. So, but the yeah. point is, in a lesson, the student is not aware of all that as so much. And, and some of the best the stuff is where I demo something. They, demo, they, you know, they try to, to do what I just did. I give them some tips. I've but, got one lady I've been working with for about four years, and I've seen her go from a beginner to a very accomplished player. And to, to not leave the counting thing for a, a minute. Oh, you it, love counting. It didn't sound to you like we were behind because right. I was the one who was leading it. Right. So you're going with me, and that's the thing. You can only have one leader. Right. And if you just keep that in mind, it works fine. It makes it a little awkward when you're listening to any interview that's done via satellite or telephone or television or whatever. There's always a delay, which is why... I think people tend to seem to be more argumentative and talk over each other <laughs> when you see television interviews. It's because they're not, if they're not in the same room, there's a delay, and it makes it a little awkward. But if one person's in charge and the other person is just following at the same time, it works fine. Can we talk about what you and I are kind of trying to work on? Yeah, I think this is neat, and I, I did some work on it today. Okay. Explain yourself. Explain. <laughs> um so this is something I did, I don't know, when I met you. I don't know if it was 2006, 2008. I don't know how long I've known you. But I happened to, I was making some music with some other folks. Um, Jan Pulsford, who produced some Cindy Lauper albums, um, tracks. Um, Tony Gerber, who has done a whole lot of what, they, what he calls space music. So he's been on the Hearts of Space we talked about last show. But um, what we used to do is we would perform together, and this is pretty nerdy, I know, but we performed together in Second Life. So we were actually in a virtual world on a stage, and Jan was on the north side of Nashville. Um, I think Tony was on the west side of town. I was on the east side of town. Well, Jan would improvise and she would send out a stream almost think of it like a broadcast except the only person getting that stream was me so she's just she's just playing electronic piano with some stuff some sounds she's made i get that off the internet i run that into my mixer now i hear her on tracks one and two stereo and so i've got my dulcimer plugged in to track three I'm playing along with what I hear her doing. She's intentionally leaving spaces for me. Um, sometimes I can tell she wants the spotlight. The funny thing is she doesn't hear me at all the whole night. She's just making up stuff knowing I'm out there making spaces for me. I'm playing along with it. I have a stream myself, a second stream. Stick with me, everybody. I send this stream out, which is a combination of Jan and me, and I've mixed it already, so it sounds pretty good, that Tony on the west side of town, he's listening to the second stream where it's Jan and I combined. He's putting Native American flute and some guitar and some synthesizers on top of that. So sometimes when I hear Jan leaving a hole, I go ahead and leave a hole also, 
And Tony, when he hears that, he knows to jump in. So Jan never hears any of us. I only hear Jan and me, but I, I never actually hear Tony. So Tony's sitting at his house. He's now got himself run into the mixer. He's mixing us all together. And he's sending out a third stream. This is where it ends. And this is the one that really is broadcast. It's public. So we're in this virtual world on a stage. People that attend the show, they're listening at home on their computers. They're hearing us play together live from three different locations. Is that nerdy or what? That's geeky. No, no doubt. So I hate to tell that long story, but it's pretty complicated. And you and I are thinking of doing this. Yes. We're going to do this. Uh, now, I don't think we're going to do the virtual world part because we're going we're gonna to have problems dealing with the one we got here. <laughs> That's true. But we're going to use but, the technology to do this and then invite people if they want to listen. by Because now it's easier. You can just give them a link, put it on Facebook or whatever, and say, we're going to do this at 7 o'clock. If you want to listen in, click this button. Right. And then we record it. We can mix it after. So the first one... Let's just say that I, I'm going to play and send this stream to you. I will never hear you during that hour performance. And you will just find ways to tastefully play with me. And then maybe the week after we do the opposite. You do the first stream. And I guess somebody would say, this is ignorant. Why don't you all just get together on a porch somewhere? Because well, the I'm, porches are too far apart. <laughs> I'm looking for... As these internet speeds increase, you're going to have increased interaction. You've already got studios that have been doing this where they somebody's doing music for a movie. You've got three different studios, L.A., Atlanta, New York. They're working together, sending files back and forth. There's already people doing this. Um, now, look, I would love to turn off the electricity, get rid of every the cars, and go live out in the woods. But if I'm not going to be out in the woods, I am not going to be out in the woods right now, then I would just as soon be jamming with you on the internet. Yeah, I love it. I'm with you. I will be with you. I think it also teaches a musical skill in that one person is leading, and that person teaches a couple of things. That person has to be thinking about making space for the other person. That's a big deal. The other person has to be listening and deciding what it is maybe that this <laughs> that the first person is trying to signal them with their music. I think mm -hmm. it's great. It's it's a conversation. It's like two people, I mean, you're painting a an audio picture of sorts. Yeah, and if we were on stage in real life, both on the same stage, we're going to take turns being the leader, ideally, not always, you know, but in this situation, if I start the stream, I'm the leader, end of story. And next time, you're the leader, end of story. Exactly uh, like when we do a countdown. That was the reason I wanted to do that. It's exactly yeah. like that. If you started the countdown, you're, I'm going to sound weird to you, like I'm behind you. And that's why you don't even want to listen to the other person, because they'll be behind what in the world? Somebody's got to be listening right now thinking, I don't care about this. Well, they're listening to the Dulcimer Geek podcast. And so that's, you know, you get what you pay for. <laughs> we presume if you're listening to this show, you're getting exactly 
what you pay for. Exactly. Yeah. So, Steve, I want to talk about the elephant in the living room. What living room? Our, our living room, our virtual living room, since we've been talking about this virtual stuff. That's crazy. We have this thing called Dulcimer School, and it has a, well over 1,000 hours of, of instruction up there. Good. Is that true? It is true. There's, it's, or a thousand videos. No. Well, maybe it's a thousand videos. Could we want to be honest? But that's what's either ten thousand hours of video <laughs> or a thousand videos. I don't know. There's a lot of content there. There's so much that we can't even count it. It's kind of hard to manage. Uh, uh, a new student, by the way, <laughs> a ticket that uh, I'm answering is complaining because she got to one of the videos, Hammer Dulcimer video, and it was upside down, <laughs> and. I hadn't seen that video in a long time. I don't know why it's upside down. It wasn't sent upside down, but probably something that the, the techie people did, and they didn't notice that they had flipped it over somehow or changed some tag in it. Anyway, that's all. That's not the point of this, this conversation. The elephant in the living room is that I think you and I both feel like we don't produce enough fresh content <clears throat> on a regular basis for Dulcimer School. And... We placate that cognitive dissonance by saying, yeah, but there's so much that's already there. And I want to motivate you to produce. And I want to motivate you to produce. More material. More material. We have found, I'm enjoying doing this podcast with you. I really enjoy it. I look forward to it. We were going to give up on our friendship, remember? Right before we started this podcast, we were like, (laughs) we've about had it. We were close. Uh, But... I'm I'm enjoying this. This is fun. N- yeah, maybe no one else does, but people are listening and like that too. But the Dulcimer School thing is a really good thing that we need to treat it better. And uh, I just I kind of wanted to just pull the elephant out right here and surprise you with this and say uh, we need to have as much fun creating Dulcimer School content as we are doing this because it turns out this is really easy. Yeah, this is. But if I do a video for Dulcimer School, I got to put a shirt on and maybe even trim my neck hairs, you know? I think with uh, the popularity of neck beards these days, you don't even have to do that anymore. Seriously, is that a thing now? People do them and they wear them for a long time. Well, shoot, then I'm ready to start shooting more Dulcimer School videos. (laughs) Yeah, you could roll right now and have it be fine. You know what I want to do? I want to... All the content that's on Dulcimer School, it's there. It's going to stay there. But I want to start a little bit fresh. I want to renew my love interest with this idea. And I want to... I've got some ideas. I want to start like a beginner series where I'm not necessarily thinking about stuff I've covered before. I mean, I'm a new teacher compared to when we first started Dulcimer School. I'm teaching a lot of the same stuff, but I've got a bunch of new ideas. I feel like I can lay a different foundation. I think I have a better idea of what advanced people are looking for. I also know that I've, although I've always um, had repertoire in with what I do, I've been so technique focused. I'd like to do some stuff where there's just some fun, enjoyable arrangements where it's not quite so geeky sometimes, you know? So I just kind of want to, I almost want to declare dulcimer school bankruptcy as far as as far as the content and i i kind of want to go at it fresh i want to go at it like i've 
never made any videos, and I'm excited about helping people learn to play this thing. So I agree, and I think that's the thing that keeps us going and the reason why we're still interested in this. So I agree with everything you said. But we, if we talk about the mistake that we, you and I, as mm-hmm. independent, self-unemployed musicians, you know, trying to make a living and doing the best we can, <laughs> and when it comes to leaving, oh, wait, that's another song. But the mistake that you and I both make is we want to overproduce things. I think so. And we, we get we, real yeah. caught up in that, well, and so, and now, it's like what you said earlier, and I was kind of laughing, and I was quiet, but when you talked about, you know, the real, virtual reality goggles and the new Microsoft thing, right, right, right. and you can have the sheet music show up on the wall, I'm thinking, oh, man, you'll never get anything done. Right. And, Our, and, and you... You have the totally have the ability to pump out something cool, but you want to put animated graphics at the beginning of it, you know, <laughs> where people, you know, it doesn't. I don't want it to just be good. I want it to be the best thing ever. It's and not gonna be the best thing ever. It's not gonna be, especially if you don't get it done. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it seems so. This last lesson that I did for Dulcimer School, which I haven't posted yet, but now that we're recording this. I want it posted by the time this records, I and mean, by the time this posts, which is, I don't, I'm not looking at a calendar, but it's on, uh, I don't know, it's around July 4 or 5 or something like that. I took my hammer dulcimer out to a creek and sat down on a rock and uh, had my camera behind me on a tripod and just videoed some lessons using no special microphones, no special anything. Yeah, I like that idea. Because, we, the, I mean, the phones we've used look astounding it's not like you're saying you're going to use junk or something well and see that's kind of a problem for me because i'm a photographer as well and i know good photography i think i'm a i'm into that and there's the part of me that wants to tweak all this and like well no you need to raise the uh you know the lights from 5600 to 5800 in order to get that perfect shadow and that's preventing us from doing this stuff so i think we need to become What's a word for it? A colloquial is the only word I can think, you know? It needs to be like, hey, I want to teach you this thing I'm excited about today. And we just do a quick video, and it doesn't have to be a 27-part series. It can be... Yeah. I I think if we were to do these little 5, 10, 15-minute videos where we just... Seriously, this is what I've been playing this afternoon, and I'm excited about it. Uh, let me show it to you. That would help more people... Then, I mean, every now and then, I think you need to do uh, teach some some new song that has new concepts in it, and those take more time. But I think we could just push out some some videos on a regular basis, just like we've been consistently doing with this podcast. I think that's a good idea. I think I think just some short and sweet but good stuff would be good. I am up for your growth oath. Okay, we're doing this publicly. We have the ability to uh, not air this if we don't want to. <laughs> All right. That's right. Are, are we going to air it? I don't know. I don't care. I think accountability is a good thing. I'm going to do my taxes. Okay. When are those due? April? Yeah, I think it was April 15th in the United States. What country do you live in? I'm in Madagascar. That's okay because they like to move it, move it there. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, this is lovely that you've. Um, we've now. We have stood naked on the edge of the dulcimer (laughs) universe. And now, my friend, 
Let's uh, let's close this one down. All right, love you, mean it. Later, dude.